The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Hi. Hi. <laughs> mm. What happened? Old pipes. Jeez, you yanked the thing clean out of the wall. How was your day? Oh, it was great. I went to the travel agents. Forget the cruise. Considered forgiven. Forgotten. But there's this incredibly romantic tour through the California wine country. You stay at these little bed and breakfasts. Or maybe we could even drive down the coast to Santa Barbara. Listen, this is really embarrassing, but if we're going to go on this trip together, there's something you should know about me. I can't drive. What? I know, I know, it's ridiculous. I just never learned, and then I moved to New York. So that's it? That's your big secret? Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. I just spent the last hour watching you give intensive care to most of the gang at General Hospital, so you can imagine how devastating it is to learn that you can't drive. Oh, God. You're upset. Upset? That you have sex with strange men on film so that other men can watch and become aroused? No, 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 no. I'm not upset. I'm just a little hurt that you didn't bother to tell me. I thought it might be difficult for you. <laughs> Why should it be difficult? You only made three. Six. Six? Six. But the most important thing is you have a very good reason for doing it. The money was great. The money? The money put me through college. Oh, sort of a work-study program. Martin. Okay, okay. But the most important thing is that it's, it's in the past and that you, you regret it. In the past, yes. Regret it? No. Come on, will you? I mean, not even a little bit? No. Look, I'm not saying I'd do it again, but that's not the point. It's done. And I'm not ashamed of it. Except for one thing. Well, all right. I'd definitely pick a better name. Malibu Canyon? What was I thinking? Yeah, the name is definitely the problem. What about things like diseases? Martin, I've been tested and I'm fine. Besides, I made those movies over 12 years ago and they were mostly with the same guys. Oh, good. At least you're not afraid of commitment. Martin, please, you're embarrassing me. Oh, really? This embarrasses you. But having a gynecological workup with an actor named Snake, that's just, what, an after-school job? I'm leaving. Good day, everyone. It's Thursday, October 8th, 2015. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, online and on iTunes where we'll be with you for the next hour or so. Hey, it's not right wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. I have a lot of news to share with you today, and believe it or not, all of it concerns the contentious issue of pornography. Welcome to our show today as we explore an issue that it has been quite some time since we last discussed on Just Right, but porn seems to have come up in the news a lot lately, so we're well overdue for our next installment on the subject. We have, of course, often discussed matters of sex, feminism, personal relationships, even parenting, where the porn issue arises as an element of those conversations, but a quick search of Just Right's archive suggests that we have actually only discussed the issue of porn as the primary focus of the discussion twice on shows number 54 and 203, going way back to 2008 and 2011, when we looked at questions like, 
Uh, you know, is sex an end in itself, or is it simply for procreation? We looked at sexual attraction. Was it just physical? And uh, issues like prostitution and the Catholic Church's view on sex and whether pornography and sex fantasies were degrading or, or a healthy outlet. These are all subjects we've discussed on the show before. So it's time for an update because this is a topic that has, you know, has greater um, significance, I guess, and it encompasses the greater issues of freedom of speech, consent, sexuality, the assault by political correctness on masculinity, which I've been introducing into our broader discussions of late, gender, femininity, and of course, human behavior and motivation itself. So before we get underway, and before I forget, don't you forget that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, subscribe to Just Rights on iTunes, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org. Now, today's show isn't exactly the one on porn that I'd originally expected to focus on as our next chapter on that topic. Since we've covered so many aspects of the issue on our past archive broadcast of Just Right, I'd plan to make the next show on porn one that went behind the scenes, quote-unquote, of the porn industry and the people who choose to act in it, if you will. I already know I've got a lot of great audio material and straight-from-the-horse's-mouth testimonials to present on that subject, and I guarantee you'll be surprised by how both the glamour and the fear associated with pornography rather dissipate on the psychological or intellectual side of the equation once you hear from some of the people in the industry and why they're there, which makes it worth doing a show, uh, you know, on a show on a show like this. Still plan to do that, but not today. So why not that focus today? Well, much to my surprise, after conducting an update of my newspaper files and checking what's new on this issue online, I discovered that there's been so much happening in the news recently on the porn industry that it might be worth our time to educate ourselves on the current conditions, whether social, economic, political, moral, uh, surrounding both the issues, uh, you know, both the issue itself and the industry. By news coverage, I'm referring to the pages of our usual daily papers, like the National Post and my local London Free Press, as well as what I've been hearing on the local talk shows in the area. Expect the next inevitable debate on the issue of porn to heat up again, as two incompatible sides on that issue come into conflict. What I heard over the past week on the radio and TV, and then discovered over the past 24 months or so of news coverage, would suggest that perhaps the match has been lit to reignite the debate. What is unclear, however, is the ultimate goal or agenda in terms of the law, particularly of those who are clearly anti-porn and are now turning to science and statistics and psychiatry to make some kind of case against porn. Outright attempts at censorship seem to have been abandoned. It appears to me that, you know, the first stage of this effort is to turn the issue into some kind of health issue. And then, having done that, justify funding or legislation based on protecting the public's health in some as yet unspecified manner. But so far, that's just my personal speculation on that part of the issue. We'll be getting to all of that as the show progresses, but first, wow, talk about an arresting question to get our attention on the issue. And this is from Rob Breckenridge from the National Post, uh, June 23, 2014, 
with the headline, Pornography, Canada's Other Sex Trade. And it begins thusly, quote, Here's a question. Do you want your daughter to grow up to be someone who's compensated financially for the consensual act of sexual intercourse? No tricks here. This is an honest question. Money for sex acts. Is this what you'd want for your daughter? I suspect most of us would say no. End quote. And I'm thinking he'd be quite right on that point. He then cites Bill C-36, which was hot in the news back then last year. We talked about it on the show. Uh, which seeks to criminalize the purchase and advertisement of sexual services. And then he contrasts it with the the crisis we have here in Canada. I don't know if you've heard about this. We talked about this on the show, too. The crisis in the adult film industry. Earlier this year, three Canadian erotica channels were scolded by the broadcast regulator for falling short of the mandated threshold for Canadian content, he writes. In other words, not enough Canadian porn is being churned out by the Canada's porn producers, and the federal government is not going to stand for it. <laughs> he says, yes, there are plenty of Canadians who have strong moral objections to both prostitution and pornography. But while porn objectors grumble about the proliferation of adult content, the most they've called for is online filters or an opt-in system involving ISPs. The government's not under any pressure to criminalize the industry, nor do we see the op-ed pages filled with laments about the, quote, sale of human flesh or the, quote, commodification of people, or even the classic, quote, you wouldn't want your daughter, sister, etc. doing this. Yet we see the same arguments being trotted out in support of Bill C-36. Calgary Herald columnist Naomi Lakritz doubled down on the daughter gambit, declaring that such a question is the test of whether or not it is indeed dishonorable, immoral, shameful a way to make a living. She also claims that society has every right to pass judgment on certain behaviors and activities, meaning prostitution. Perhaps these and other like-minded commentators could explain why the production of pornography is not commodifying humans while prostitution is. If there are harms specific to the transaction between a prostitute and her client that are not present in the transaction between a female porn actress and a film producer, it behooves those justifying this double standard to spell that out. Is pornography somehow acceptable because the other participant in the sexual act is also being compensated? End quote. Now, I think that's a good question. Is that why they treat porn differently from from uh, prostitution? At least as they've been looking for in the in the in the uh, sought legislation before the election. And he concludes, the government has no business meddling in the affairs of consenting adults. A monetary exchange for sexual services, be it from a participant or a third party, should not be of concern to the state. Coercion, forced labor, intimidation, and violence, on the other hand, should be opposed and prosecuted regardless of where it occurs. And, uh, you know, that's from the National Post. Again, from writer Rob Breckenridge. I certainly can't disagree with that conclusion, nor with the observations made by Breckenridge that I've cited here. I recall speaking to the issues of, you know, would you want your daughter or your sister or your mother, etc., to be doing porn or, or stripping in public? Of course, my preference would be no one. I think anybody's would be. Nor would I even want to be thinking of them 
in any sexual context, if you stop to think about it, whether within a marriage, a loving relationship, or even any promiscuous behavior. I just don't want to go there. I subconsciously shut those images out of my mind without any effort. But, but anti-porn activists want to activate those images and associations in order for me to transfer my feelings about that to the broader issues of sexual behaviors. And I kind of resent it. I kind of really resent it. You know, as a rule, initial sexual attraction is based on unfamiliarity. We got into this in previous shows. And certainly not familiarity, okay? And to try to convolute the two is, well, it's akin to ignoring the distinction between incest and socially acceptable sexual, be uh, sexual relationships. You know, there's an old adage that in effect suggests that in sexual matters of attraction and distraction, <laughs> unfamiliarity creates the distraction, which can turn into an attraction, which over time becomes familiarity. And that's where you reach the fork in the road, where there are three ways to go. Either familiarity will breed content, or familiarity will breed contempt, or familiarity will breed a bit of both, as Al Bundy will explain in the second half of our show today. So now that we know there's a shortage of Canadian content on Canada's porn channels, here's the next interesting question, again, as asked in the pages of the National Post only two months after our last cited item, and that headline reads, With porn producers fleeing L.A. in droves, why aren't they coming to Toronto? And that's by Richard Warnica, who published that in the Post on August 15th of 2014. And he writes, and this is very interesting, um, the adult industry has long been synonymous with Los Angeles, but that may not be true for much longer. Adult film and video producers are fleeing L.A. in droves. They're seeking out new homes all over the world, in other parts of the United States, in South America, in Europe. But one place they're not headed, at least for now, is Toronto. Even the Rob Ford porn parody released last year wasn't filmed here. There's no one reason why Toronto hasn't become a pornography hub. The explanation for the L.A. exodus, on the other hand, is relatively simple. According to the industry, the culprit is a county law designed to protect performers from HIV. Oh my God, just, you know, another protection racket. Uh, passed in 2012, the measure makes condom use mandatory for X-rated scenes filmed in L.A. Health advocates say the measure was necessary and long overdue. Well, you know, from everything I've ever understood about uh, health in the industry, in the porn industry, sexual disease rates there are far lower than in the general population. And this is one of the issues we'll be looking at on a future chapter on this issue, and we looked at it in the past, but certainly get into it again. But the article continues, Industry players, though, say it's a business killer. They're talking about having to wear condoms. And an attack on personal freedom. According to the LA Times, Film permits for X-rated movies have dropped more than 90% there since 2012. Last year, only 40 permits were issued for porn shoots in L.A. So far this year, only 20 have been handed out. You know, if I'm thinking, I'm thinking now, if this demonstrates anything, it's that it's easier to prohibit something by, by regulating it than it is by outright prohibiting it. So, you know, all you pot legalizers and Uber drivers out there, beware. The, the lesson is constant and it's, and it's persistent. Um, 
Okay, continuing here. The law may be spreading too, he writes. The California State Assembly passed a bill in May, this is again in 2014, that would make condom use in porn shoots mandatory across the state. The state Senate is expected to take up the bill soon. Many pornographers aren't waiting around to see what happens when they do. They're moving to Las Vegas, to the Miami area. Some of them may be moving underground, said Kelly Holland, the managing director of Penthouse Entertainment. Where they aren't going, though, is Toronto. In fact, despite a large, well-hyped conventional film and television industry, Toronto is not a significant destination for adult films at all, said Jason Danilak, the owner of Real Productions, an Edmonton-based porn studio. Quote, if a girl in Toronto wants to become a porn star, she can shoot a few videos there, he said, but if she wants to be a big star, she has to go to L.A. or now Las Vegas. And he said it just comes down to where the talent is. Um, the, the Internet made making and accessing porn easy, they note. But widespread piracy made mo- uh, making money off it exceedingly hard. As a result, in recent years, the porn industry has actually consolidated significantly. A few large companies now control much of the online and conventional business. And none of those giants are in Ontario. In Montreal, it's another story. Brazzers, one of the largest online porn studios, was founded in Montreal. It continues to be run out of that city, though it's no longer Canadian-owned. Oh, that sounds familiar. Is that like the beer stores? I'm not sure. Today, the city can still, is still considered Canada's porn capital. In Toronto, on the other hand, there's just a handful of, said Scott Rhodes, a longtime independent pornographer. It's so difficult to make a profit. Mr. Rhodes and his wife, Leah Lecky, used, used to film two porn videos a month. Now they're lucky to do one a year. Instead, they opened a sex store, Maxine's Adult Playground, in downtown Windsor. You can't download a dildo, Mr. Rhodes said. <laughs> no, that, no, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, you can't download a dildo. Smart guy. Still, Mr. Rhodes believes the L.A. exodus could be a business opportunity for Toronto. It would be a good void to fill, he said. I don't know how. Kelly Holland from Penthouse agrees. I think if Canada wanted to bring several million dollars of business across the border, they should absolutely court the adult industry, she said. We're very well behaved. And, uh, you know, I under- and from the article it says here, apparently Toronto does not have any specific rule against pornography. There are also no mentions of condom use in the federal laws that govern pornography in Canada. But up here, what's more important is the money situation. There's just no money in certain areas of the country to even get invested in this. So it's got nothing to do with with censorship or anything like that. Uh, Again, Mr. Danilak says, in any case, few in the industry expect Toronto to become the new L.A. anytime soon. He says he can't see it happening because, hey, you can film anywhere in America. I've done the mattress mambo with half the female population of this rotten apple. But this high-chested, chromium-tushed, aerobicized doll was different. She carried a 357 Magnum in her Benetton bag. Father Augustine. Augie. Augie. Uh, two things. One, I think you're still paying a, a little bit too much homage to Raymond Chandler. And two, could you read the paragraph again? I didn't get very much sleep last night. What is it, kid? Dame trouble? Some leggy blonde stuff you in an envelope and mail you to Lonely Town? Father. Father. If somebody's done something kind of 
sinful once, or even six or seven times, can you forgive them? Even if they don't feel that they need to be forgiven? Loser, kid. You're looking at a crapshoot with no dice. She'll either be as sweet as cheap muscatel, or you'll wake up one morning with a stiletto heel through your heart. Father, we're, we're talking about my girlfriend here. As the saying goes, love makes its own commandments. I don't suppose that's from the Bible. Nope. Chapter 11, the girl with the two-fisted legs. I think we're through for today. I hope I've been of some comfort to you, my son. Thank you. It always helps to look on the spiritual side. <laughs> Well, I see you two have met. Uh, listen, I've got a patient. I just wanted to see if you two were free for dinner on Friday. Uh, hmm. Jeez, Friday, 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 Friday. Martin, you have to come. What's the matter? You know Derek Ashbury, chairman of Hartridge Press? He's going to be there. Oh, my God. I know that you've always wanted to work there, and I thought that maybe if you meet this guy... Well, that'd be incredible. Great. So I'll see you two at 8 o'clock on Friday. Uh... Sure. Yeah, yeah. Friday, eight. <laughs> Great. Um, I got a rhino. Martin, she's terrific. She's everything you said she was. Yeah. Okay, look, I'm, I'm sorry about last night, okay? I, I, I guess I was kind of... Hysterical. Judgmental? Out of control. I was going for cranky, but okay, I, I guess those will do. I've been thinking a lot about what you've said, and I'm, I'm basically fine with it. There's just one little thing I need to clear up. How could you possibly have had sex with all those men who meant nothing to you? Look, Martin, were you in love with everyone you ever had sex with? Well, no. No, but that, that's different. You know, this is just so sleazy. And you never had sex that was just a little bit sleazy? Well, yeah. Yeah, but... Not on film. Oh, so you've never had sex in front of a camera? No. Not for money. So basically, this is a financial discussion. I don't know. I just, I don't know, I don't know. It's just, you know, seeing you with all those other guys. Look, Martin, they meant nothing to me. You want to talk about jealous. You know what it's like for me to see you with Judith? Someone you loved? Someone you were married to for 10 years? Someone you had a child with? Now that's hard. Really? Well, that's, that's great. Look, I think what we have is pretty terrific. And if you can just get past the fact that I once appeared as Princess Leher in Star Wars, then I think we have a shot. I mean, if it was me, I'd hang on to that one. I'd tie it to a post. I think I can do that. Princess Lair and Star Wars. Oh, that's funny. You know, parody porn, I've discovered, is a, is a whole porn genre unto itself. And it's so far removed from the kind of porn that was being described in a shrill and panicky voice on one radio station last week. It isn't funny. 
And, uh, oh, by the way, if you recognize the first voice at the start of the last audio bite from the TV series Dream On as being that of the great late actor Ray Walston, who played Father Augustine there, you'd be right. Ray Walston, of course, was best known for his role as Uncle Martin in My Favorite Martian and again as the groundskeeper, Boothby, on the Star Trek series where he reprised that role on both the Next Generation and Voyager series. Anyway, that's a distraction. But I don't know if you heard about it, and we will provide a link, uh, or heard it, the show, a segment on this past Friday's live drive with Andy Utman on CJBK AM 1290 here in London, would have suggested that, as Andy himself literally suggested, quote, an apocalypse is coming over the proliferation of porn on the various technological communication devices we have at our disposal these days. Bugler of the apocalypse, as he put it, and I thought a little outrageous and out of context and misguided is what I would call it. Andy read the text from one father of a 12-year-old son, and I quote that text as following, We caught him with his iPad viewing some of the most disgusting blank, 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 that being an adult, it made me blush. Since that day, he's been an angry, rude, challenging little boy to have in our house. I definitely think it had to do with the images that he saw. He won't tell us who gave him the idea to look for the stuff. I'm hoping it's one of his peers and not a suggestion of an older pervert on the Internet, end quote. Well, what a strange comment. You know, it's no coincidence that this parent noted, quote, since that day, being the day the parent obviously confronted and embarrassed his son and clearly mishandled the situation, even by his own description. It sounds like that to me. The texture did not say that his son behaved this way before his own discovery. And you know what? I see this as a parenting issue, not a porn issue. And to make the one into the other, I think, is just illegitimate. And, quote, I know that on this issue I sound like the bugler of the apocalypse, bugled Andy on his show, but I just pray for you that if you have a daughter, she never gets hooked up with a guy who's had a steady diet of pornography, because a marriage won't last five minutes. Hardcore pornography today, so common, so vicious, so violent. We talked about it on the show many, so many times, and I get laughed at, and I get mocked, and that's okay, said Andy. Well, I think the reason that Andy finds himself getting laughed at and mocked is because what he's saying doesn't bear out in reality, and it doesn't really match the experience of so, so many people who watch porn. You know, and then he says, but the fact is that the stuff that's out there is rewiring your kid's brain. Well, you know, actually, when we're talking about kids, there's no rewiring going on, is there really? Aren't they being wired for the first time, if you want to go with that analogy? And to me, that is the danger here. And that's why things are age-inappropriate, including what Kathleen Winnis is trying to teach the kids about sex in our schools these days. Nothing wrong with the information. It says there's nothing wrong with porn per se. It's the age period, the inappropriateness of the age, and why that isn't being addressed as being the issue rather than attacking porn and making it a broader issue. Well, that leaves itself open to charges of of what? Hidden agendas? Who knows? Quote, in an individual addicted to pornography, this area of the brain lights up very similar to a cocaine addict when the individual is shown porn, says the clip that Andy took from Victor Malarick's CTV W5 documentary on the issue that aired this past weekend. 
And by the way, this past weekend also uh, marked the 50th season of CTV's W5 public affairs program. Isn't that amazing? 50 years on the air. But during this conversation with Malarick, uh, Malarick said this, and uh, this is I found interesting, quote, there's a boy who we were talking to who was nine years old when he got hooked on porn he's talking about. And his parents could not understand how this happy-go-lucky, fun-loving kid turned into a mean, vicious, foul-mouthed kid towards his sisters and towards his mother. And they happened to look at the computer's history and they said, Oh my God, look at what he's seeing at the age of nine. Well, he's 12 years old now and he's still trying to wean himself off and get over the images and the incredible assault on his brain that had been going on for a couple of years, end quote. That was from, from Malarek. And, and I'm thinking... What is he saying there? Still trying to wean himself? That suggests he's still viewing this stuff. At age 12? And where the hell are his parents? Where did they come into this? And, you know, Andy then relayed his experience as a boy when a copy of Playboy, quote, just about blew the roof off the whole town, how times have changed, end quote. Well, (laughs) actually it sounds like time has stood still. Only the form of porn has changed. Quote, the days of Playboy and Hustler... This was tame stuff. It's called softcore, said Malarick. This, this triple X is violent. It's abusive. It's brutal towards women and guys who are watching it, and particularly kids, with no context, no nothing. It just completely destroys and fries your brain on this stuff. And now the scientific evidence is coming out, he says, because so many people just go, hey, it's just a bad habit. But guess what, folks? It's not a bad habit to a lot of men, and it's certainly horribly destructive to boys. When you look at the, bl- the brain and the pleasure area of the brain where dopamine is formed, he said, they watched how cocaine lit up the brain. And the same thing was happening with porn. You had to go more and more into it to get that next high, and they actually show how addicted, how addicted you can become to pornography. <laughs> and then Andy said, well, there are doubters out there. And then he cited one texter who wrote into Andy saying this, quote, Andy, I've been watching porn for over 30 years, my wife knows, and we've been married 22 years, and I've never cheated in my life, end quote. And then Malarick retorted, he said, well, he's cheating watching porn. What the hell is he doing? Ha, I've never cheated in my life, but I need porn to see my wife? Get serious, come on. You think that watching porn is not cheating? You have to get off on porn to be with your wife, he said. Well, that told me more about the messenger than the message when I heard that, because Malarick is patently incorrect on this count. Watching porn is not cheating, whether watching it alone or with your spouse, nor is it a given that just because someone likes porn, they cannot function in a normal relationship. That's just not so. You know, I used to listen to, um, in the afternoons, they had a couple of people that were kind of like... uh, you know, the Fraser Cranes of London, Ontario. One of them was Dr. Joy Brown, and the other one was Dr. Laura Schlesinger, who were on all uh, on afternoons and, you know, giving personal advice to people. And uh, each agreed, despite their very different approaches to the issue, and they might have had a mutual distaste of porn, but that pornography is not the cause of any specific behavior, and particularly violence. Uh, You know, the title of Schlesinger's book, Ten Stupid Things Women Do to Mess Up Their Lives might be more the proper direction to look for solutions to the problems purporting to be addressed by the feminist movement. 
You know, women are portrayed as victims of the patriarchal society, men's attitudes, pornography, prostitution, domestic violence, unequal pay in the labor pool, unwanted sex, and, and like you name it. Well, that was just part of the picture. Then Andy then featured an interview with anti-porn ad- advocate uh, Jonathan Van Maren, who represents a group called Strength to Fight, and who was very happy to see a mainstream journalist like Malarick join in his crusade. And he said, quote, 83% of men in North America are viewing porn every single day. When you combine how violent pornography is with how many men are looking at it, that's an incredibly serious problem, end quote. You know, yeah, I can see the problem. <laughs> it means that only 17% of men don't view porn, and you're on the wrong side of the issue, not only outnumbered, but the stat is contradictory to your message and your theme in a way. You know, it has to be, because if what you're saying is such a crisis and, and people have been watching porn and that proportion for so long, we should be seeing a lot worse problems. Although, of course, that's the picture that they're trying to paint, but it is, is it real? We'll be looking at that a little later, too. And he, and he says he defines um, pornography, this again is Jonathan Van Maren, as hardcore. The days of Playboy and Hustler are long over, he says. Um, which is, again, incorrect, because Hustler has been hardcore for years now and produces its own entire line of hardcore pornography in video format. Where's this guy been? I mean, does he not know that? But he's excluding hardcore producers for, of some sort against others. So obviously there's a distinction being made that we're not being told about. He says this is no longer just looking at pictures of naked people. It's watching people have sex. And by that I mean porn sex, which is entirely different from any sort of real kind of intimacy. Mainstream pornography is now violent. The future of pornography is violence, etc., etc., etc. Nonsense. I, I, I just can't listen to this stuff and accept it seriously. First of all, of course porn sex is different from real sex. It's, it's erotica. It's like posing for a picture. It's not real. You know, you pose. <laughs> uh, I just, it's, it's too complex to even start getting into that part of the argument here, but don't worry, we'll be going that way in the future. It would simply take too many shows to address all the inaccuracies, the misinformation, and misguided philosophy fueling this strange reaction to porn. And many of these very arguments, no different from any made in the 1980s and 90s, have already been addressed on on a lot of our past broadcasts. But if violence is the direction that porn is headed, then why bother with the sex? You can get all the violence and even sex on shows like Game of Thrones or even excellent mainstream productions like Black Sails that I reviewed a few weeks ago. Even so, depictions of violence on the screen, or even in comics and in books, have been under attack for causing certain undesirable behaviors throughout their entire histories, with no proof of cause and effect. And, you know, just as playing the race card in any issues of cultural differences and values is used to skew that debate, so too in the field of pornography, the protect the kids card is used to skew any rational discussions on that subject. But this is not to say that age-inappropriate exposure to any form of adult entertainment is not a problem that deserves resolving. But it strikes me this is more a parental problem than a porn issue. You know, nearly always avoided in most media commentaries or discussions is any mention of the nature of eroticism or of the infinite nuances of what constitutes the erotic to different people. 
nor do you ever hear of any discussions about masturbation or its relationship to, to, to pornography. Uh, I mean, isn't it masturbation that these kids are somewhat addicted to? That's the center, the pleasure center. Kids masturbate a lot. Or, you know, there's the issue of pornography as art. I mean, there are simply too many taboo discussions within the greater public realm, although we did, of course, cover each of these discussion points on past broadcasts where the issue of porn came up. So, it was very ironic that Victor Malarek's W5 program, outlining the evils of porn, should have been released just this past weekend because it came just on the heels of another study suggesting that porn is not associated with these evils, nor with causing negative attitudes towards women. More on that when we return really fine it's not a big deal so she made a couple of porno films really which ones none of your business look man i think charlotte is great i really do and i think you two can be very happy as long as you can accept the fact that every time you look at her you're gonna see her dressed as gretel spanking a six-foot hansel Whoa, that's your girlfriend? Oh, I guess it's hard to keep a secret in a little town like this. What if she is? Nothing. Nothing. See? Most guys would have trouble being with the woman who's done... what Charlotte's done, but most guys aren't Martin Tubble. That's true. Hey, Martin, you know what would get me? I can't imagine. You ever notice the guys in those movies are really big? Not so much tall as... Big. You're packing. I want you to stay, please. I got some more travel brochures. Look, Jamaica. Sun, swimming. It's, word is the natives hardly hate us at all anymore. You know, or a, a, a train trip across Canada. Vast, unspoiled countryside. It's almost as interesting as our own. Uh, Wisconsin for the cheese festival? It's over, Martin. No, it's not. I mean, it goes for another two weeks. Really, I don't think it's going to work. Okay. Okay. I know I behave like a lunatic tonight, but, but, but I'll get better. You know, I'll, I'll get therapy. I don't want you to have to do that. And I don't want to spend the rest of my life with someone who has to forgive me all the time. Especially when I don't feel like I need to be forgiven. Martin? Yeah? If this place ever goes co-op, grab it. It's a real good buy. Oh, doctor. Thank you. I'll always remember this day. Not as much as I will. God did not make the world easy to live in. He made it hard. Oh. Oh. Doctor. Oh. Goodbye. Mr. Bosley, isn't this demeaning? Demeaning? Demeaning, Patsy? Is it demeaning for a woman to serve a man? What do you think, girls? No! Now, everybody, let's get started. What you watching? 
Patsy, portrait of a stewardess in training. <laughs> Mr. Bosley! And I thought that was a flotation device. <laughs> oh, wow. Why do you watch these things? It's educational, pig. I mean, we all fly, but do any of us really know what these young ladies go through to become stewardesses? Ooh. Their dresses are awfully short. Would you like me to get one of those? Why? <laughs> get that, Hanway. I'd be honored, Al. Shh. We're not interrupting. Oh no! Come on in. I was just making coffee. Al's watching Gullible Girls Week on Channel Three. <laughs> Al, we have company. <laughs> it's Stephen Marcy. <laughs> you know, if a maniac broke in this house right now and shot me dead, Al wouldn't even know. I'd know. <laughs> I can't believe you let your husband watch this mindless exploitation of women. It's not mindless. Al Bundy was, was right, you know. It's, it's not mindless. In fact, as I noted in the past, the brain is the body's largest, quote-unquote, sex organ. And erotica is something that goes beyond mere physical impulses and strictly physical biology. And that is precisely why two different people who have, you know, different ideas in their minds can react so differently to the same stimulus. While one sees porn as pleasurable and erotic, another views it as an apocalypse, heralding the fall of civilization. You know, if it was fire we were talking about, we could pretty well be certain that no matter what two people's opinions on the issue of fire was, each would experience the same physical response to being burned by the fire, and that would be pain. So it just kind of exemplifies the different categories in which these stimulus response cat you know, issues are. Now more on the porn news front. I first caught this next news item in the London Free Press under the heading Harmful Effects of Porn Queried though it originated from the National Post, as I see. Written by Tom Blackwell on September 10th, the, the headline in the Post reads, Watching porn does not cause negative attitudes toward women, contentious Canadian study finds. And it reads, The idea that pornography leads to negative attitudes towards women is pervasive. Helping shape obscenity laws, fueling censorship attempts, and even spawning a recent Hollywood movie. But the notion may have little actual foundation in fact, suggests a contentious new Canadian study that concludes the average porn user holds, if anything, more egalitarian views regarding women than non-users. Many pornography aficionados might even be quote-unquote useful allies in women's struggles for equality in work, income in public office, the researchers at London's Western University argue in a paper that is already generating fierce criticism. At the very least, they say, the study calls into serious question the view that pornography is so damaging that in one activist's words, it's, quote, what the end of the world looks like, end quote. Hmm, where have we heard that? I'd rather not live in a culture where our government lawmakers decide to regulate outlaw behavior or material because they assume it's harmful, said Taylor Kohut, the postdoctoral fellow in, in psychology who led the study about its value. I'd rather say they demonstrate it, or, or demonstrate it is first. 
he and his colleagues analyzed data from 35 years of the General Social Survey, a government-funded U.S. project that interviews about 24,000 men and women a year on a variety of issues. They reported in the Journal of Sex Research that the 23% who reported having watched an X-rated movie in the previous year were no more or less likely than porn abstainers to identify as feminists or voice support for the traditional family. And the blue movie watchers expressed on average more positive attitudes towards women in positions of power and less negative attitudes towards abortion and women in the workforce than those who refrained from pornography. One prominent anti-pornographic academic, however, charges that the study is at odds with the vast majority of research in the area akin to denying climate change or the harms of smoking. In fact, the, the easy and free access to often aggressive sexual clips on the Internet has spawned a, a, a ubiquitous new porn culture that is warping young men's sexual behavior and attitudes as never before, argued Gail Dines, a sociology professor at Boston's Wheelcock College. Men say on surveys they believe in equality of the sexes but still treat women as disposable sex objects, she said. Dine cited a 2014 German study of 384 males that found frequent porn use was linked to sex practices such as hair pulling, hard spanking, and gagging. Maybe some of these guys do believe in abortion more. Maybe they do believe women should hold office more, but they still want to ejaculate on the woman's face and they still want threesomes and all that, said Dines, one of the world's leading anti-pornography activists. Men have less interest in actual sex with real women. They want to act out the porn sex. Meanwhile, indicators of male aggression like rape and domestic violence have been decreasing through the Internet era, said Christopher Ferguson, a psychology professor at Texas A&M International University who tracks the effect of media on behavior. I think if porn were going to ruin society... It's already had 20 years to do it, and it hasn't happened, he says. And, of course, I think it's been a lot longer than 20 years. Kohut notes that society has long dismissed pornography as a malignant force. The moralistic arguments of the past replaced in the last several decades by the notion that it promotes women-hating, a sense that women are sexual objects for the exploitation of men. Yet there is almost no empirical data behind such a view of pornography's effects, asserted Kohut. The U.S. survey data from 75 to 2010, that's 1975, uh, that he examined offered hints about more than just male attitudes. It suggested female pornography consumers were as egalitarian as others, countering the view that the material can train women to accept subjugation. Dines questioned the basic value of the data, partly because the average age of the respondents, 45, is not representative of the key demographic of teenagers and young men, end quote. Well, of course she would, because that way she could include the age of the inappropriate kids and ignore the whole issue of parenting and all that stuff. I get it. You know, that's that's just how it is. More on uh, on these news items when we return after this. <laughs> Isn't this over yet? Almost. They're cramming for finals. <laughs> Don't you think those girls are a little skinny? You know, shouldn't a woman have some meat on her bones? You have to have something to grab onto. I don't know, Peg. A lot of guys have been grabbing that one and nobody's missed yet. (laughs) 
Peg, I don't know why you went on a diet anyway. You don't need to lose any weight. Well, I had to do something. You don't find me attractive anymore. So? <laughs> so? So you don't find me attractive anymore? Oh, gee, Peg, of course I do. I think you're great looking. Well, then why haven't we, uh, you know... It's been a long time, Al. Oh, honey, that again. Come here a second, will you? Let me tell you something. Now, just because I don't go to bed with you doesn't mean I don't love you. I mean, let's face it. Even if you were beautiful, like that girl on TV, I'd still ignore you. Because you're my wife. Don't stick it on me, Peg. Let me tell you what I mean. You remember that baseball glove my dad gave me when I was a little kid? I loved that glove. Yeah, it's old and the web's loose, but it's special to me. That's how I feel about you, Peg. I may not tell you all the time, but I love you. I wouldn't do anything to change you. I think you're great. Just the way you are. So is my glove. I'll have to take it out more and play catch with Bud. Oh, I like that. Oh, that feels good. Hey, remember the American League playoffs last year? You know, a lot of fly balls were popping out of gloves for home runs. I think it's because the modern gloves are too big. It never would have happened to Willie Mays, know why? Willie had a small glove. Just like mine. Al Bundy must be the epitome of what social conservatives and feminists must despise in the mail. Uh, <laughs> funny thing, because all of these reports that I'm reading are mostly from a very conservative newspaper, normally considered the National Post. And it's interesting that they should report on October 13th by Tristan Hopper. Uh, the headline reads... Americans in right-leaning states search internet for, for porn more often than liberal counterparts, according to a study, and it reads, residents of right-leaning U.S. states are more prone to seek out internet porn than their liberal counterparts, according to a new Canadian study compiled by sifting through Google search data. Published this month in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, the report concludes that even when they are surrounded by very religious or conservative citizenry, Americans will nonetheless seek out and experience the forbidden fruit of sexuality in private settings. The report concluded that the greater the state-level conservatism of a citizen's home state, the more likely they were to type sex into a Google image search. The Canadian study is not the first to assert that religious states are more prone to seek out online smut. Apparently the highest subscriber rates belong to Utah and Mississippi, both of them being among the reddest of the red states, which is blue in our terms, of course, conservative. And last year, the Canadian headquartered website Pornhub.com released state-by-state -state statistics on the top search terms entered on their site. In conservative-minded Mississippi, for instance, the top terms were teen, ebony, and POV, which stands for point of view, respectively. 
The report's findings have already begun to make waves in U.S. conservative circles, echoing the response two years ago when study co-author Gordon Hodson published a report saying that people with low intelligence were more likely to follow socially conservative beliefs. Yikes. Although that study was based on the IQ test, a measure whose accuracy remains a point of contention, it used UK data to conclude that, quote, lower general intelligence in childhood predicts greater racism in adulthood, and this effect was largely mediated via conservative ideology, end quote. These data do not tell us anything about why these associations exist, simply that the associations are there. To make the case that the American right has an enhanced interest in sex, the October study does cite a fair amount of anecdotal and non-scientific evidence. At one point, for instance, the report cites informal 2012 survey of strip club owners that concluded, quote, Republicans drop more money at strip clubs. Nevertheless, the study is careful not to assert that religious conservatives are more likely to be porn fiends or that conservatism somehow begets a desire for internet porn. Indeed, the study's conclusion even acknowledges that the somewhat far-fetched theory that the heightened porn-seeking observed in conservative states is due solely to pockets of sex-obsessed liberals. <laughs> Smothered by the sexually restricted environment surrounding them, the report surmised, it's worth considering that liberals living in the likes of the Bible Belt might be rebelling via regular journeys into X-rated cyberspace, the article concludes. Then there's another one by... Joseph Breen, November 19th, porn study finds that teens and moms rule the online sex world. And it begins with the, the two most popular search items for online porn, according to a recent analysis, are teen and mom. Keeping notes as they researched hours of racy videos, Canadian psychologists saw hardly any cuddling, condoms or toys, and found exploitative scenarios were more common in teen porn while MILFs, an acronym for Moms I'd Like to F, uh, were more likely to take sexual initiative and control. The National Post's Joseph Breen spoke to lead author Sarah Vanier, a PhD candidate at the University of New Brunswick and supervising professor Lucio Sullivan, about their new paper, School Girls and Soccer Moms. Now, isn't there a, that a paper you'd like to work on in, 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 in uh, university? <laughs> a content analysis of free teen and MILF online pornography. The discussion has been edited for length and clarity, they say, but some of the highlights, uh, one of the key ones was, you know, they said, what did, what did they find in all that smut? And uh, one of them responds, the behaviors were interesting. We found no difference, really, in sexual behaviors in the teen versus the MILF. My interest in porn is whether we are learning what sex is supposed to look like. Does it give us a script or template for how sexuality or sexual activity is supposed to unfold? So I found it interesting that the behaviors were consistent across the two types. It's definitely interesting. And she notes that uh, no one is searching for 30 years old, 30 year olds. Finally, this one came from. Um, where is this? This also also the National Post, Post Media News, March 18th of this year. And just a brief comment here. Blaming porn for erectile dysfunction is like blaming food for an eating disorder, says researcher Karen Seedman, Post Media News. Stop blaming por pornography for erectile dysfunction, she says. Sure, recent headlines have proclaimed that porn is ruining the sex lives of an entire generation, but a team of researchers at Concordia University and UCLA say their new study shows that that simply isn't true. 
The study shows that if there's erectile dysfunction in a relationship, it's probably not the porn that's causing it. It's more likely the quality of the sex. And uh, finally, it just concludes, just as we wrap up here, the study participants represent a good cross-section of men that view porn on a regular basis. The fact that doing so increased their arousal to the erotic stimuli should cause clinicians and therapists to rethink their attributions. Because, he says, we found that the men who had watched more sex films at home were more aroused when they watched sex films in the lab. And the result is important because clinicians often claim that men get desensitized by watching these films when it seems that the reverse may well be true. So, that's just what's been in the news lately, all on the subject of porn. Next time we look at this issue, assuming that no other additional major news items pop up on our radar, it'll be a behind-the-scenes look at the porn industry, and that'll have a completely different flavor to it. So, join us again next week when we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Color into black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright Hey, Al! Doesn't it uh, bother you to watch this kind of smut in front of your wife? Yeah. <laughs> you know what we learned last Tuesday in Marcy's Women's Club meeting? I don't care. <laughs> look, Steve, you can't honestly tell me you don't enjoy watching this. I mean, look at that leg draped over that flotation device. You don't find that pleasurable? <sighs> I used to love smut. <laughs> oh, wait a second, Al. We went through this before. You got me in a lot of trouble. Damn it, Steve, we're men. It's our God-given right to watch sports and smut. <laughs> since when do we have to apologize for that? I think since the 70s.